0: begin with a question this morning if I can. I don't always start off a Sunday morning with a question right out of the shoot, but I'm going to ask you a question and I want you to participate with me this morning. I want to ask how many of you are familiar with the name Steve Irwin? Raise your hand. Oh, quite a few of you. Yes, yes, yes. What what is he known as? Crocodile Hunter. You are correct. You get an A class congratulations. The Crocodile Hunter, for those of you who aren't familiar who with Steve Irwin is or this term Crocodile Hunter, I want you to draw your attention to the screen for just a moment. We're going to watch something and then I'm going to uh, read a very short biography of his life. So why don't you watch this with me just for a moment, please. Be remembered for passion and enthusiasm, conservation is my job, my life, my whole persona. If we can touch people about wildlife, then they want to save it. Hey, you little fella. Have a look at this. Have a look at this. Have a look at the size of this plot. You're all right. You're all right. Show us your bag. this It's the most crucial conservation area left on our planet. It's a black amber. It's a black amber. Yes. Hey, stop biting. Bang. Strike. Go, around. You're annoying. boy. I saw that. Don't bite me on the face. This the ancient spirit. Oh. Holy guacamole. Isn't he a little beauty? That's like um poison. This is the crocodile. This is what they're all about. It's really hard to express how much I love them, but seriously, if I could kiss him on the lips, I would. I'm on top of the world. I get to do the wildest things in the world. I don't know if you could hear the words he said there in the middle, but he was talking to one of his crocodiles. He said, I love him so much, I would kiss him on the lips if I could. <laughs> Have you ever wanted to kiss an alligator on the lips? Not me. Steve Irwin, the crocodile hunter, Allow me just for a moment to read you a little bit of his biography. Stephen Robert Irwin was born February 27, 1962 in Melbourne, Australia. Part wildlife expert, in part entertainer, Irwin became world famous for his television series The Crocodile Hunter, which many of us are aware. While he had no scientific degree, Steve grew up studying and caring for animals at his parents' wildlife park in Australia, which is now called the Australia Zoo. He first learned how to catch and handle crocodiles from his father and on his sixth birthday, when lots of kids are receiving bicycles or skateboards or things like that, on his sixth birthday, Steve received a 12-foot boa constrictor as a birthday present. Parents, don't do that, please. Thank you very much. In 1991, uh, Steve met American-born Terry Raines, who was in Australia on a vacation. The couple later married and spent part of their honeymoon filming crocodiles. Whatever. Okay. This footage became part of their 1992 debut Australian television show, The Crocodile Hunter. Four years later, the series was picked up by Animal Planet for distribution around the world. And the show aired in more than 200 countries to an estimated 300 million people. How many viewers watching this show in each program, audiences were often spellbound by Irwin's dangerous encounters with animals. He thought nothing of tangling with deadly snakes, spiders, lizards, and of course, crocodiles. In addition to his hair-raising adventures, Irwin considered himself a wildlife educator, sharing his knowledge and enthusiasm for animals uh, with his viewers. Always in his trademark khaki shorts and shirts, you never saw him not wearing those, he became a well-known, popular figure. He even had his own catchphrase. You remember what his catchphrase was? Crikey. He was, cri- crikey, which is basically Australian for excitement or wonder. He would shout that out all the time. Unfortunately... Tragedy would strike this beloved wildlife warrior. On September 4th, 2006, Irwin was working on a new program filming in the Great Barrier Reef of Australia. While snorkeling near a stingray, he was pierced in his chest by the barb, which then struck his heart. He suffered cardiac arrest and he died shortly after. Stunned by the news of his sudden death, people around the world mourned his passing. Irwin made many contributions to the field of wildlife education and conservation during his lifetime. Uh, he ran an organization to rescue and protect crocodiles and supported numerous other animal uh, charities over, over the years. Many of nature's dangerous creatures lost their greatest champion the day that Steve Irwin passed away. Just a snapshot of his life. And I'll never forget when I heard the news of his passing. I was actually at my daughter Megan's soccer practice. She was five years old and I was at her soccer practice and I was talking with a couple other uh, parents there while the kids were running around and someone mentioned his passing to me and, and, and I, was, I was shocked. I was surprised. I wasn't surprised that he passed away because when I watched him do the things he did, I thought, man, how does this guy stay alive? So I wasn't surprised necessarily that he passed away, but I was more shocked in the manner, in the way that he died, the way that he passed away. I mean, think about it. Pretty much the only way could, a stingray could mortally wound a human being is for its barb to penetrate the heart. That's pretty much the only way Who would have thought that the great crocodile hunter would pass away in this fashion? Of all the animals he encountered, it was a stingray. It wasn't a crocodile. It wasn't a venomous snake. It wasn't a bull elephant. It was a ray that pierced his heart. And none of us would have expected that. I mean, I would have expected him to have some terrible injury to his arm or to his leg or maybe even to his head. But it was his heart that was injured. And that brings us to the title of today's message, if you're following along. Today's message is called, Guarding Your Heart. Guarding Your Heart. I have a key verse I want to read, and then we'll have some additional verses we'll read after that. But key verse this morning, if, if, if you want to follow along on the screen, is Proverbs four twenty three. Four twenty-three, And this is what it says in the New Living Translation. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. I'll read it again. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Now let's take a moment. I want to break that scripture into compartments, into segments, if you would. So let's look at the first guard your heart. What does it mean to guard something? What's the definition of guarding? Well, to guard means to watch over, to protect, and to keep safe. And I think all of us would would agree that it's vitally important for us to to protect and keep safe our physical hearts, right? I mean, we can look at Monday Night Football two weeks ago uh, when we were watching that, when DeMar Hamlin had this freak accident on the football field where it, it was just out of, the, out of the blue, his heart was hit. It stopped functioning. They had to resuscitate him on the field. It's important to take care of this muscle that pumps blood throughout our body. We, we understand that. We know that. We, we, we know. But biblically speaking this morning, the heart that's being spoken of here represents the center of our lives. It speaks about who we are as a person. Scripture tells us that the heart is the wellspring of life that out of the heart flows the course or the direction of our life. Scripture also says that the heart affects everything that we do. The word heart here in Proverbs 4 implies everything that we are, like in totality. Our heart here, remember, uh, means our mind, which is our intellect. It represents our emotions, which represents our feelings. And the word heart here also means our will, and our choices, that's what is being spoken of in Proverbs four twenty-three. I find it very interesting that, that when God works in our lives, he always begins at the heart. That's the starting point. He begins with our heart and then he begins to work outward through our life. He always begins at the heart and then he works out. The heart comes first because it speaks of inner life. And here in the scripture, guarding your heart, I want you to see it's a command from God. He's not making a suggestion or a consideration, okay? He's not saying you should should consider guarding your heart or it would be a really good idea to guard your heart. No, he says guard your heart. It's a call of action. He's saying you need to do this. You need to protect your heart. You need to keep it safe. You need to watch over it. The second segment of that verse is this, above all else, our hearts should receive the greatest attention that we can give. I mean, we protect our homes with security systems, with dead bolt locks, with security lights, and sometimes people even will protect their homes uh, with a weapon. We're really good at keeping our homes secure and our homes safe. We'll go to all those extents to guard our home, but many times we neglect to guard our hearts, to watch over our hearts. In the last little segment of that verse, it says, for it determines the course of your life. The success, if you will, of the Christian life depends upon us following the principles that God lays out for us for the principles that he gives us. So I want to read verse, verse 23 again, and then I'm going to continue on through the end of Proverbs 4, verses 24 through 27, and then we'll finish with Proverbs 5, 1 and 2. Again, the whole scripture reading, and then this will lead us into our teaching for today. Starting at verse 23, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. My son and daughters, pay attention to my wisdom. Listen carefully to my wise counsel. Then you will show discernment and your lips will express what you have learned. Would you join me in a word of prayer this morning as we begin? Father, I just thank you for this opportunity we have today to look into your word. We could be engaged in a lot of different activities this morning. We we could be home watching television. We could be on the Internet. Uh, We could be reading. We could be out socializing. Um, Lord, there's a lot of things we, we could be doing this morning, but we've paused from the week. We recognize this is your day. We've come to hear your voice speak to our hearts. Lord, this is the most important place we can be, not just certainly physically, but God, positioning ourselves to hear from your voice today. So, Lord, I thank you for those in attendance here today. I thank you for those who are joining us online. I just pray that you will allow us to catch a glimpse of what you are saying to us, and then our hearts and our lives will be changed because we hear the voice of God directing us and leading us in life. I thank you for this, this time today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you're taking notes today, you can use either the program, the sheet of paper you received coming in, or if you want to follow along online, you can do so. Go to our website, wfa.church, and then forward slash, um, let me think what it is, resources, and then go to live stream. And you can take notes right there and follow along. The scriptures are there as well. So here we go, guarding our hearts. Four areas of action that we can take to guard our heart. Number one, the first thing we see here in scripture is taking control of our mouth. Taking control of our mouth. Verse 24 Says, avoid all perverse talk, stay away from corrupt speech. Now, I'll never forget the look on the crocodile uh, hunter's uh, face one time when he was unexpectedly bitten on the face by a small, uh, non poisonous snake. Maybe you saw that episode too. This is basically what happened. He was explaining that the creature would only strike if it perceived movement. And so he held very still as he was talking about this, holding this, this snake. Except there was one problem. His lips were still moving <laughs> while he was holding still. And as he was explaining himself, and then the little thing quickly bit him right on the lip, right on the mouth. He was surprised, but he wasn't, he wasn't hurt. He was hurt. Now, the Bible encourages us to keep watch over our mouths. But even to a a more greater extent, it tells us to keep uh, watch over our tongues. Our tongues. Listen to how James describes the tongue in James chapter 3, verses 6 through 8. He says that the tongue is a great flame set on fire from hell itself. He says the tongue is a restless evil. That is full of deadly poison. In fact, James here in this chapter, he has has nothing good to say about the tongue at all. There's there's no positive remarks that he makes concerning the tongue. And I think I know why he has nothing good to say. You see, the tongue is often the last thing to be brought under control and subject to Christ's authority in our life. It's the tongue. It's power in the tongue. Power in the tongue. James goes on to say in chapter 3 that our tongue, which reflects our speech, can be used for both blessing and cursing. I'll read it. James 3, 9 through 11. Sometimes it praises the Lord and Father. Sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right, James says. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh and bitter water? So James asks this question. He said, how can this be? This, this doesn't even make sense. How, how can this be in the life of a believer, someone who's made in the image of God? And I know that we're all aware that our mouths have the, the capacity for good and for bad. We, we know that. We, we've lived that. We've, we've seen that. But there's a connection that we need to understand between the mouth and the heart because you see the mouth always reflects what's in the heart. Jesus speaks to this in Matthew 12, verse 34. He's talking to the Pharisees and Jesus says, you brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what is good and what is right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. And church, we need to be aware of our words and the actions of our mouth. Did you hear that? The words and the actions, the intent of which we speak. We need to be aware of that. May our mouths be free from perverse and corrupt talk, free from words that cause discourse, free from gossip and from slander and complaining, as followers of Jesus, our, our, our mouths and our words should be free of those things. Instead, this is what Scripture says are what our, our speech should be. Our, our speech should be for God's use and not for evil, Proverbs 21, 23. Our speech should speak words of life, Proverbs 15, 4. Our speech should always be kind, Proverbs 31, 26. Can we control all of this on our own? Can we do that? No, we might be able to control some of our words of our mouth, but the Bible says we will never be able to tame our tongue. We can never be able to tame our tongue. And that's why we need the help of the Holy Spirit in our lives, working in and through us. We have to depend on him because we can't do it on our own. Or we might choose to have some, some better language than coarse language, but we will never be able to tame our tongue Because we need the work of the Holy Spirit within us. We can't do it. We need his assistance working in and alongside of us. So that's our first principle this morning as we talk about guarding our heart is that we need to take take control of our mouth. That's action step number one. Action step number two, if you're taking notes, taking control of our eyes, of our eyes. Proverbs 4.25 says, look straight ahead. Fix your eyes on what lies before you. And if you've ever watched an episode of The Crocodile Hunter or even some of these clips that were up here this morning, you might have noticed that Steve always kept his eyes on the animal that he was working with or encountering. He kept his eyes on the animal, the creature, and not on the camera or the audience. And this was, this was extremely important, especially when handling dangerous animals. Because if his vision was more focused on the camera and what was going on and it wasn't on the animal, he probably would have died a long time ago. Because, I mean, the guy like, held like cobras in his hands and black mambas and, and, and had his face right next to a crocodile. I mean, he probably would have died a long time ago if he was more focused on the camera than he was on the animal that he was close proximity to. He came to know instinctively about an animal just by watching it. He could gain information and know what it was almost thinking and he could respond accordingly. And this morning friends we need to understand something and it's this. What our eyes see will affect our hearts. You could write that down. That's good. I don't tweet but you could even tweet that this morning. What you see affects your heart. That's a true a large portion of the temptation that we face in life is brought on through our eyes. 1 John chapter 2, verse 16 says, For everything in the world, the cravings of the sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does, comes not from the Father, but comes from this world. Psalm 81, verse 12 says, So I gave them up unto their own heart's lust." And they walked in their own counsel. So where does heart lust comes from? Where does it come from? It comes through our eyes. That is where it gains access to our heart. What the eyes see will become what the heart wants. That's why it's so important that we take control of our eyes. Because when we allow our eyes just to run freely, just go wherever they want to go, we will have heart problems, guaranteed, if we don't take control of our eyes. I'm going I'm to date myself for just a moment. Can I do that? Can I just date myself? When I was growing up at my grandfather's church um, in Sunday school, uh, Sister Guidi was my, was my teacher. And every time we gathered for Sunday school, we always started with singing. That was a non-negotiable. Sister Guidi had us sing all the time. And she would teach us these songs. And there was one song in particular that she, she taught us. And we would sing. And it went something like this. Oh, be careful little eyes what you see. Oh, be careful little eyes what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful little eyes what you see. You Remember that song? I'm dating myself. It's okay. 51. It's true. Won't deny it. A simple Sunday school song that my teacher taught me, but the words are gospel truth. Be careful, eyes, what you see, because it will affect your heart. The eyes are the most influential part of our bodies. Experts say that most of our memory is formed through our eyes. Did you realize that? Studies have proven that we can remember about 80% of what we see compared to only 11% of what we hear. What a huge gap that is. It's the truth. Here's two biblical accounts of people who allowed their eyes to affect their hearts. The first story we draw our attention to is, is the account of Eve and the serpent in the Garden of Eden. Satan had a strategy, and here was his strategy he was going to make Eve look. That's what he wanted to do, to get her to fix her gaze on the forbidden fruit, for her to see how desirable that it appeared. And the longer that she looked, the more her desire began to grow and to grow, and it became difficult for her to pull her eyes away. In fact, she soon lost, lost all perspective of what was going on around her. She, she, she lost all sense of proportion. She forgot about Adam, her husband. She forgot, forgot about God and the warning that he gave. All she could see was the tree and the fruit. Genesis 3:6 says: the woman stared at the fruit. It looked beautiful and tasty. She wanted the wisdom that it would give her, and she ate some of the fruit. Her husband was there with her, so she gave some for him too, and he, he ate it. So Satan's strategy worked here, didn't it? A persuasion to look that left Eve's heart vulnerable. That was his plan. The second example in Scripture of someone who uh, allowed their eyes to affect their heart is the account of David and Bathsheba. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, verses 4-2, through 2, we can read, One evening, David got up from his bed. I'm going to mention something here really quick. He was in trouble anyway because he, he wasn't even supposed to be home. It was the springtime. He was supposed to be with his soldiers out in the field. So already he was in trouble because he was someplace he wasn't supposed to be. So David was there. One evening he got up from his bed and he walked around the roof of his palace And from the roof, he saw a woman taking a bath. She was very beautiful. And David sent a message to find out who she was. The messenger returned and said, She is Bathsheba. She is the daughter of Elam. She is the wife of Uriah. He is a Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him. He slept with her. And then she went back home. Did you notice the progression In that scripture right there, follow along with me. Here's the progression. He saw, he inquired about, and he took. It began with seeing. Then he inquired, and then he took. It went from the eyes to his heart. It went from his eyes to his heart. And it's a tragedy because we know later in the story of some of the things that came out of this instance. And it's tragic in all senses of of, of what happened. And thankfully, David repented and he turned his heart towards God. But he allowed his eyes to leave his heart unguarded. And it had a huge effect. Friends, what was true back then is still true today, isn't it? Doesn't change. Our eyes will affect our hearts Either we control them or they will control us. If we truly want to guard our hearts, we must take control of our eyes. Taking control of our eyes, that's our second step. Our third action step when we talk about guarding our heart is this taking control of our feet. Our feet. Proverbs 4 26 through 27 reads, Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Now here's something I find very interesting, going back to our theme of Steve Irwin. Statistics say that most stingray injuries happen when people are walking and they step on them. That's the majority of the accidents that happen when there's an interaction. Someone steps on a stingray. So experts say that if you're going to be in the water and walking in areas, you think there might be a stingray, you should drag your feet or shuffle your feet because they'll feel it. They like to hide under a thin layer of sand. And so when they feel that vibration and they know something's coming, they're gone. They're not going to hang around. It's when you surprise them and you step on them and that poisonous barb sticks up and it goes in your foot, then you got a problem. But the experts say that's what you should do. Be, be careful with your feet. Make movement. Make sure they know that you're not around. And chances are, you're, you're going to be okay. I found that very, very interesting. If I was ever around stingrays, I would, I would imply that I would make that happen. Because I wouldn't want to step on one. I don't know about you. Now, in life, it's extremely important for us that we plan in advance the path that our feet will follow. Can I say that again? It's important that we plan in advance the path that our feet will follow. Mark 20 on um, verse 26 says, "Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path." I had an experience when I was probably about 7 years old. I went to go visit my grandma. She lived on a farm. With my aunt and my uncle. My uncle uh, raised black Angus cattle, and we loved going out there. Uh, most of my cousins lived in that area, and so enjoyed going there. On this one particular Saturday, I think it was, we were just spending the day there. My older brother and my older cousin decided they were gonna go and they were going to go ride some horses. But I found out after the fact they'd already left. And when I heard that they had left to go and ride horses, I didn't wanna be left behind. And so I shot out the front door of my grandma's house. Ran across the lawn, across the driveway, uh, uh, just just running as hard as I could. Now, the way her house faced, it was facing west. The sun was kind of getting a little bit lower in the sky. And it was, vision wasn't that great. But I I was just running. My feet were just going as fast because I had to catch up. I had to catch. I wanted to ride horses. And so I was running. And then all of a sudden, I hit something. Wasn't a car. Wasn't the side of a house. It was an electric fence. Now, I don't know if my uncle uh, ran out of normal supplies for putting together his electric fence, but um, on this particular stretch that I hit, um, it was barbed wire. So it was electrified barbed wire that I hit. Didn't know what it was because I could not see. And so I hit that thing. My feet were running so fast. And I hit it, and I got stuck, and I couldn't get off. Um, It I don't know what kind of shirt I was wearing. It didn't really, I, it didn't like shred or something like that. It almost kind of melted. And so th- the force of that, the barbs were in my chest and it was burning me and I couldn't get off. And after a while, it actually went through my skin. And so now I had a full open wound across my chest as I'm trying to get off. Finally, I was able to get off and I looked like I just came out of a war zone. It was, it was incredible. I only said that because when I reached grandma's front door and she saw me, now, I've, God bless my grandma. She's in heaven with Jesus right now. But, but she would fall apart like at anything. And so I'm surprised she, she did not pass out. She went, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus. And she ran to her bedroom. <laughs> Thankfully, my mom and dad were there because she just couldn't handle that. She just couldn't handle it. Mom and dad were there. They helped me. And... Uh, I had a scar for a long time. In fact, that was over 40 years ago. Today, I still have a faint scar that goes across my chest from that experience. So uh, I never did ask my, my uncle about that, why he used barbed wire. Maybe he ran out of regular stuff, but that wasn't good. He shouldn't have done that. But anyway. It is dangerous when we just turn our feet loose and let them go anywhere that they want. It's dangerous. And when it comes to planning our walk, we must choose it well. How many of you have ever made decisions in your life that in retrospect, you wish you had considered it more first? Raise your hand. Every hand should be up in this room right now. <laughs> right? We've all had moments like that where we've made a decision and we wish we would have considered it more first. Through experience, we understand the importance of not making rash, quick decisions without thinking things through. We see the value in wisdom of choosing our direction in life. Not only do we need to plan our walk, but we need to protect our walk. Did you notice that in verse 27? It says, don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. And we should also carefully choose the people we will walk with. In life, That's important. Amos 3.3 says, can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? It reminds me uh, of Abraham and his nephew Lot back in Genesis chapter 13. We can read the story about how Abraham and, and Lot were basically going through life together. They were walking through life together and some things happened. And Abraham suggested, hey, this is a good time for us just to go our own separate ways. It's a good thing. We, we, just, we just need to go do our own thing. And so he allowed Lot to choose first. He, he, he preferred Lot. He said, hey, you choose the direction you want to go. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. Or if you go to the right, I'll go to the left. It's, it's, it's your choice, Lot. I want you to choose this. Abraham didn't have to do that, but he preferred Lot and allowed him to make that choice. So Lot did. He chose. And his feet took him to establish his home right next to the wicked city of Sodom. He liked the land there. There was good pasture fields. He saw all the things that attracted him to that particular spot. It just, it, it gained his, his attention. But it also distracted him from the evil that was so close so that could lure him. And we know what happened in his life because of the choice that he made. He established his home. He pitched his tent in an area. He did not choose a path well for his feet to follow. On the opposite side, Abraham followed God's leading and his feet led him to settle in Canaan. Church, we need wisdom and discernment in choosing our direction in life. To not get sidetracked and allow our feet to follow evil. Scripture admonishes us to to make a plan, to stay on the safe path, and to choose carefully the people we will walk and step with. That's what Scripture says. Controlling our feet is essential when it comes to guarding our hearts. And that leads us to our fourth and final action step this morning: controlling our ears. We're gonna read chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, and 1 and 2 of Proverbs. Taking control of our ears, my son and daughters. Pay attention to my wisdom. Listen carefully to my wise counsel. Then you will show discernment and your lips will express what you've learned. Allow me to go back to the crocodile hunter just one more time, if you will. When it comes to hearing underwater, minimal sounds can be heard at best. If you've ever been underwater and you try to hear, it's almost impossible to hear underwater. So even if Steve Irwin's companions were to try to warn him that he was in danger that day, they couldn't have, because the water would impede what would be normal hearing, like we could hear right now. It would be impeded if you were under water. They couldn't have helped. And when it comes to our lives, there are many voices vying for attention in our ears, Trying to gain our attention. But the question is, when it comes to that, what will what will we give a listen to? What will we listen to? You know, when I was growing up, my dad and I, we, we were avid Mar- mariners fans. In fact, I still am to this day, an avid mariner fan. And I remember growing up with my dad, he couldn't sit still at home and just watch or listen to a game. He had to be doing other things too. And so I grew up in our home listening to the Mariners on the radio. In fact, my dad, at some points, he would have the radio tuned in to 710 Cairo AM in the bedroom, having the Mariners game on. He would have the radio in the kitchen on, turned on to the Mariners game. At the same time, have the garage radio on. with the, So no matter where he went, he wouldn't miss a thing. And I grew up with that. I, I, growing up on road trips, listening to the Mariners, helping dad do yard work out in the yard, there was the radio Always, in fact, probably in my lifetime, I've listened to more Mariners games than I ever watched, and to this day, I mean, it's special. I mean, I, I'll just put it on the radio. It's like just me and Dad once again, just listening. I love that. I love just that that, that memory that that I have. Now, I want to draw your attention to the fact that right now in this very room, there are radio waves going all through this. Signals going all through this room. We can't see them. But we know that they're there. And the only way that you can pick them up is to have a receiver. I wish I had that old radio from my dad's garage. I'd hold it up here right now. didn't have buttons on it like today you get it with buttons. It had the dial. And it had the little, it didn't have digital lights on it. It had this little little red bar that would show you where you were going, where the radio signal was. And I could show you. I'd have to dial in 710. That was The spot on the radio. If I got to seven ten, boom, there Rick Riz or Dave Niehaus's voice would be on the radio, and I could listen to it. That reminded me of that. And so, so if we had a radio, I could do that right now. I could pull up KPQ. I could I could pull up Caleb. If I had a radio right here, I could turn it on because the signal's going to the room, but you have to have a receiver to pick it up. Now, I want to draw our attention to this too: is God has given us two receivers. He's given us two ears as our receivers. No matter what yours look like, forgive your parents if you have to. God has given us two receivers. The fact is, we choose what we dial into with our ears. We make the choice. It's not with a round dial or a digital button you push. But we choose what we will tune our ears into, what we will listen to. God instructs us to pay attention and to listen carefully to his guidance, to listen to his word, to his wisdom, and to his ways. In order to do this, we need to have ears that are attentive and receptive, hearing, then responding. That's worth remembering this morning. I'll say it one more time. We need ears that are attentive and uh, receptive, hearing, and then responding. It does us no good if we just hear the information. It it does no good if you're an EMT who, like Hope Schoolie, she works. If if she listens about how to perform CPR, she has to learn how to do it so that way she can physically do it. She needs to be able to respond. it. It does us no good to hear and not respond. We need to have hearts that respond. Now, on the reverse side, we need to tune out anything and everything that is contrary to the word of God. We need to tune in to the good and tune out the bad. We need to tune out anything that's contrary to the word of God. So ungodly advice, gossip, false teaching, unwholesome speech, and anything else that does not edify our hearts, we need to tune that out. Turn the dial. Don't listen. Now, I realize that the world can be pretty loud, can't it? The world can be very loud so that no matter where we go, we hear that noise always competing for our hearts. It's hard to live in this world that's full of sin and darkness and not have it affect us. It's hard to dial out the world when it's so loud. But here's a solution to that problem. We need to turn Jesus up louder in our lives. We need to bring up the volume of him in our ears. That's what we do. We need to fill our ears with as much of Jesus as we can. Filling our ears with worship and the music that glorifies Jesus. Turning up Jesus by listening to to podcasts and to teachings. Like this morning, coming to church, hearing the word of God. Listening to other believers who will lift you up and encourage you in your faith. Those are the things we need to be dialed into. Turning Jesus up louder in our lives. It's a choice where the dial is going to land. And spiritually speaking, God is calling us to protect our hearts, to guard them, to keep them safe, the heart representing the core of who we are as people. And he's saying, guard your hearts. If we're serious about it, we need to take action. Action includes controlling our mouth, our eyes, our ears, and our feet. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back out at this time and ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I think one thing I want to do this morning, I'm just going to have the worship team just play quietly for a little bit because I don't want anything to distract from this moment because I, I want to encourage you to have a conversation with God. I want you this morning to forget about the person on the left or the right of you and have a conversation with the Lord, and, it, and basically it's this, going back to our, our opening verse again, verse 23 says, guard your hearts above all else for it determines the course of your life. So when you look at your life individually right now, just you and the Lord, what kind of conversation do you need to have with him regarding these areas? Because he's calling us to action. He's not saying, oh, you, you should really think about Caring for your, your heart, you, you, should, you should consider it. it would, it'd be pretty good if you just did that. But what he's saying this morning is like, no, I'm calling you. You have to do this because if you don't, there's destruction ahead. Look at David. He didn't protect his heart. And there's parts of his testimony that he wishes he never would have had to experience. So this morning, right now, would you have a conversation with the Lord? I'm not going to tell you what you need to say. I'm not going to tell you exactly how the conversation should go. But based on the things the Lord is speaking to us today, have a conversation with him right now. The worship team is just going to play for a few moments instrumentally, and then they'll lead us in a song. But can we do this right now? Just turn this room into a house of prayer, a conversation with the Father. Say, Lord, what are you speaking to me today in my life? what actions have I neglected what things can I do to sure up my heart and not only to sure up my heart but for those around me that they can see as I follow you Jesus they can follow you as well and they can be encouraged what people in my family will be affected because I have chosen to guard my heart would you have a conversation for just a moment and then the team will lead us in a song thank you Jesus